Hello and welcome to Broadway Overanalyzed, a podcast where the spotlight is not on the Broadway stage, but on the orchestra pit underneath. In every episode, we overanalyze a new Broadway score. We'll discuss the show's soundtrack, dissect the show's recurring themes, and dive into its style, structure, and influences. My name is Samuel Riddle, and I am joined once again by my co-host, she is also my sister. It is Lydia Riddle, ladies and gentlemen. Lyd, we haven't recorded uh, an episode since June. Um, yeah, how was uh, how was your summer? Good. It was very busy. Uh, both you and I have been backpacking since our last uh, recording, which was a crazy trip. Uh, but fun. So it's been a busy month. Since our last recording, we also went to the beach, and we went to uh, uh, Boston family vacations. That was fun. Yeah. And a good summer. Yeah, but we're uh, we're excited uh, to uh, get back into uh, Broadway overanalyzed once again. Um, it's sad to see summer finally coming to an end, but some good news is that Broadway is finally coming back. It's been oh, uh, it's been gone for way too long but most shows are slated to reopen uh, sometime in september which is really exciting uh, lid if you could see any show on broadway in september what show uh, would you want to see oh my goodness to be honest i don't know if i really know that much about what's on that's like new i feel like most shows are Kind of just coming back from from previous maybe Hades Town that's coming to the Kennedy Center near where I live so I was thinking about seeing that in October so what about you yeah I I was uh I was looking at the uh like broadway.com list of current shows that are on recently and Probably. a lot yeah a lot of a lot of the new ones are uh don't really interests me that much i i still want to see hamilton i listen, yeah. sort of listening to uh the focus of this show's uh uh soundtrack has kind of got me interested in that so i'd like to see that i also um uh the music man is starting up i think oh yes i that sounds really good the cast looks great as well so i don't know who's in it other than hugh jackman hugh jackman <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the, the we're just playing the main girl character marion um i remember she, i was excited about her but i forget who it is so <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's look at the focus of today's episode of broadway overanalyzed can you hear uh my dogs in the background <laughs> yeah. uh, we're we're uh we're taking care of um our neighbor's uh dog right now and so we have our dog in here and this dog and They've uh, they've been interesting. So you might hear some dogs barking uh, throughout the episode. It's not awful. It's not <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into the focus of today's episode of Broadway Overanalyzed, which was a good time to look at it, Lid. Uh, right as we are emerging, and I literally have this written down in my notes: the dog from the dog days of summer. <laughs> <laughs> It is uh, a super high energy show that is sure to leave you breathless. It has a score that's great to listen both when you're away or when you're home. Are you wondering why it's taking me so long to just say the name of the show? Well, don't worry because it won't be long now. It is, of course, 
the musical in the heights I I must confess I I knew next to nothing about this show before we decided to do it uh, for this episode of the podcast. Um, I think I had listened to uh, "Breathe" and the opening number uh, before, like two weeks ago. Those were the only two songs I'd ever heard uh, from this soundtrack, and I, I knew nothing about the plot. Absolutely zero. What's uh, What's your experience with this show? I'm in the same boat as you. I think I had heard Breathe, and I love that. I love that song. I, like, have it on all my, like, musical playlists, and I love singing along to it, too. So I'm surprised that I didn't, like, take the time to go through and listen to uh, the whole cast recording. I feel like Hamilton just kind of, like, took over my Lynn um, obsession. Um, so, yeah, didn't have a lot of experience with it, so I was excited when I went to go see the movie. Um, that was honestly kind of my first foray, and then kind of in doing research for this, kind of went back and watched the Broadway show and realized how different it is from uh, the movie, which was crazy. Um, so I feel like this is going to be a little bit different from our previous podcasts in that I don't have a lot of nostalgia with this show. So a lot of my previous reactions were kind of like nostalgia and going through kind of my, my reactions to it over time. Whereas this podcast, I feel like is going to be more of like my first reactions to these songs without kind of like the background of the nostalgia of it. Um, so, Lid, why don't you go ahead and get us started here uh, by introducing us to the show's composer and telling us about uh, the show's inception and its trip to Broadway. Yeah, so uh, the composer of the show is the very well-known uh, within Broadway and out of Broadway, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, so he's probably the best known of the composers that we've covered so far. Um, he was born and raised in New York, actually just north of Washington Heights in Inwood. Um, he's of Puerto Rican descent um, and would visit Puerto Rico every year during his childhood. And so we kind of start seeing a lot of uh, the influence for In the Heights in his life. Um, he went to Hunter College Elementary, which I read is harder to get into than Harvard. <laughs> so um, he's a very, definitely a very gifted kid. Um, after graduating, he attended Wesleyan University. And that's where he wrote the first draft of In the Heights during his sophomore year. Um, he was just feeling kind of like lonely in college. Um, he wanted a life in the theater and he wanted roles that he could play. He didn't see a lot of roles for Latinos on Broadway um, or even in movies that didn't involve crimes and, and drug use. Um, so wanted to kind of create a role that he could play. Um, and so wrote this in his sophomore year, uh, which I think is incredible. Like just reading through kind of Lynn's biography, I'm just like literally always amazed by his just motivation and the amount of work he has produced. Um, he envisions something and then he creates it and produces it, um, which I think is very inspiring. Like that's something that I kind of aspire to. I feel like I also like have a lot of ideas in my head, but kind of don't have like what Lynn is able to do or he's able to like live it out um, and create it. 
Um, so In the Heights was produced by Wesleyan's uh, theater company. The only line that has stayed from that uh, iteration of the show is in Washington Heights <laughs> um, from the original song. So it's changed a ton since then. Um, Lynn graduated in 2002 and immediately started just gathering people to revise and realize his musical. He pulled in Thomas Kale as director, Alex Lacamoire as musical director, Chris Jackson originates the role of Benny. Um, and we see these people just show up again and again throughout Lynn's work. Um, I've heard Chris Jackson say in an interview that kind of as long as Lynn has a job, then he has a job. So he's kind of in everything that Lynn's done since In the Heights. Um, so all these rehearsals and readings are happening in the basement of a bookshop in New York called the Drama Bookshop, uh, which I kind of love because it seems a little bit like it's just like a Cinderella story. There's all these people who just like love theater and love creating it just like in the basement of a store creating a show. And they did like kind of all their auditions too. I heard a couple of like audition stories where the people would come in and like walk down into the basement and Lynn was just there like at the piano uh, for them to perform with. Um, so the show eventually goes regional, um, does off-Broadway tryouts. Um, during all this time, Lynn is an English teacher at his old high school, and he also starts an improv rap group, um, Freestyle Love Supreme, um, which since then has had its own Broadway debut. And he kind of mentions how doing improv rap and things like that had a big inspiration and was a help to him while writing in the Heights. Um, so there are a couple of interesting rehearsal stories I found kind of while I was doing some research for this. Um, so the first is that Lynn had met his future wife, Vanessa, in high school. She kind of had like a huge crush on her, but they parted ways in college. In 2005, during the show's kind of creation and journey to Broadway, he invited her to come to one of his Freestyle Love Supreme shows. He invited her on Facebook, um, and that's how they reconnected. Um, and Lynn's character's love interest in the show, he named Vanessa in college. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> um, another love story during the rehearsals is that uh, Chris Jackson met his wife um, during the rehearsal process. She had played Nina in a couple of early versions of the show. So in 2008, In the Heights finally makes it to Broadway to largely positive reviews. It ran till 2011, um, and it earned 13 Tony Awards, winning Best Choreography uh, by Andy Blankenbuehler of Hamilton, um, Orchestrations, Score, and musical, basically all the big ones. Um, honestly, it didn't have too much tough competition that year, um, but I think it's a deserved win. It was nominated for 13 awards, right? It didn't win 13. Nominated, no yes. Way. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, what? That's Hamilton, no. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Nominated and it won kind of the four big awards. But yeah, and since then, Lynn has kind of just been a prolific writer. Um, in 2008, the same year that In the Heights went to Broadway, that was the same year that he read uh, Hamilton by uh, Chernow, and that kind of started the next show and took, you know, lots of years before that actually kind of came to fruition. But I think it's funny that, like, the second the one kind of achieves Broadway, he's on to writing the next thing. Um, he wrote songs for Moana, uh, featuring Chris Jackson, um, and various other recent and upcoming animated films. Hey, who is... Um, who is Chris Jackson in Moana? I think he plays uh, Moana's dad. Oh. If you listen to um, Where They Are, uh, Where You Are, <laughs> one of those, the, the first song, the opening number, um, I think you can kind of like hear his voice. Oh, in there. interesting. So, 
Yes, interesting. Um, he's writing lyrics for a live action Little Mermaid uh, with Alan Minken, who we've discussed before. Um, he's also become kind of a famous kind of Hollywood actor. He's acted in various movies, TV shows, and he's now directing a film version of Tick, Tick, Boom about one of his inspirations, uh, Jonathan Larson of Rent. Um, it's honestly almost like he writes like he's running out of time. Um, he's nonstop. I had to bring one of my own puns in. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is safe to say that kind of all of this started within the Heights. So it's interesting to kind of know where his career is now and be looking back on the musical that I feel like started his career. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool how it seems like every... This is this was really in the Heights was the beginning of the beginning of huge careers for so many of these people. And like, I mean, I I, I think about like Alex Lacamoire. I, I don't know how many Tonys he's won now, but he, he did the he was super involved in In the Heights and Hamilton and Dear Evan Hansen and like the greatest showman. It's cool that kind of like start as unknowns and in the Heights. Um, I feel like you can kind of tell, though, I I feel like I was, like, pretty critical on listening to this, but I, I do, like, I feel like I see it as kind of, like, the start of a career. I think it's still, it feels to me like there's still work to be done on, on the show, um, so it, it feels like kind of like the start of something, but it's cool to be able to look back on it. And it, it was something very different also, which a lot of times being different is what's going to get you the Tony Award. Um, you know, what's really funny is we've, we've looked at Newsies, Wicked, West Side Story, and In the Heights are the the four shows we've done so far in Broadway overanalyzed. And if so, if you were to ask someone like, which of those shows do you think won the, won the Tony for best score? They'd probably say, what? Oh yeah, probably Wicked and West Side Story. But out of those four, the two that have won best score are actually Newsies and In the Heights. (laughs) Um, It's also like an original story, which is kind of rare on Broadway, especially these days. Like there's been so many musicals about like movie from like movies. And so I I really like too that it's just a completely original story. It's not been a book before, a movie, anything. It's completely original. So I really respect that about it as well. Well, that's a good segue, Lynn. Thanks for the background on uh, Lin-Manuel and the, the show's trip to Broadway. How about giving us a brief uh, synopsis of uh, the story of this show? Yes, so In the Heights um, tells the story of a neighborhood, Washington Heights. Um, It follows characters with various dreams and goals um, and how they interact, kind of centering on two kind of love stories between Benny and Nina and Vanessa and Uznavi. Um, After Uznavi's abuela uh, wins a lottery, they both decide to go back to the Dominican Republic, um, but eventually Uznavi realizes that he has found his future and his home in the community of Washington Heights. The elevated train by my window doesn't faze me anymore. The rattling screams don't disrupt my dreams. It's a lullaby in its way. All right, well, let's turn to look at the music of In the Heights, uh, and let's take a look at what musical styles influence the writing of this score and what themes we can find throughout it. 
so first, let's look uh, at what uh, sort of genres of music appear in In the Heights. And there are a lot of them. There are tons of musical styles in this show uh, that are used to reflect the diversity of culture in Washington Heights. We're going to touch on a lot of these different musical styles when we walk through the soundtrack. But I would say that there are three main genres of music presented in the show. Uh, and they are, uh, first of all, hip hop. And then secondly, uh, Latin music of uh, many different kinds. We'll go into more detail on that. And then also there's uh, a lot, actually more than I was expecting to find when I was first looking at this show. But there's a lot of just very classic musical theater ballad type songs that have sort of this early 2000s Broadway sound uh, to them that kind of reminded me of some of the Wicked songs, to be honest. Um, but anyway, let's get started uh, by talking about this music called hip hop. So we know Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, we know Hamilton. This is the guy who brought hip hop and rap into the Broadway orchestra pit. And to be honest, I, I didn't, wasn't exactly sure how to pinpoint what hip hop music was. And so I found it helpful to just kind of walk through the history of how hip hop originated. Most sources that I found say that hip hop actually had its origins in spoken word. And uh, they often, most of the sources that I found actually referred specifically to a single album by a guy who we don't really think of uh, very much as a musician, uh, but this guy is Muhammad Ali. He's a boxer. Uh, you, you may have heard of him before, but um, in 1963, in the beginnings of his boxing career, he actually released an album that's called I Am the Greatest. And it was super popular, but it was strangely popular because most of the tracks on the album uh, were not music at all, but they were just Muhammad Ali giving these speeches and they were kind of like comedy routines as well, um, but they were in the form of poems. Um, so let's just take a listen uh, to an excerpt from the first track of this album, which is called uh, I Am The Greatest. I am the greatest by Cassius Clay. This is the legend of Cassius Clay, the most beautiful fighter in the world today. He talks a great deal and brags indeedy of a muscular punch that's incredibly speedy. The fistic world was dull and weary. With a champ like Liston, things had to be dreary. Anyway, it's kind of weird, right? It's interesting, yeah. It's just, it's just a, a recitation of a poem, really. Uh, but this album mm. was, was super popular, had a huge effect, particularly on African-American and Latino-American communities in New York City, where In the Heights uh, is based. So with this idea of recited poetry in mind, in the 1970s, uh, disc jockeys, DJs at parties in New York City started taking these popular funk and disco songs that were popular in the 70s, and they started making cuts of just the percussive beats in the song and playing those over and over again and overlaying them either with recorded spoken word like that or with their own poetry so it involved a lot of you know messing with tracks and 
mixing and matching uh, with those. And I don't know anything about the technology of this, but there was no digital music back in that day. Uh, so it all had to be done like physically. So when you, when you get the idea in your head of a DJ with like uh, two turntables and moving his hands and scratching the disc, that's, that's accurate because that's exactly what these DJs would do to produce the first hip hop songs. Uh, so let's take a listen to one of the earliest and one of the most popular hip-hop tracks uh, ever produced. And this was released in 1981 by an artist named Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> a lot of these guys have uh, pretty interesting uh, little stage names. Uh, but here we go. You see, you see, you see, you see, you see, you see. You say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, girls, let's rock that. Five, five, Freddy told me everybody's side. DJ spinning, I said, my, my. Flash is fast, flash is fast, flash is fast. Flash is cool, Francois, c'est pas, flash ain't no two. You say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, girls, let's rock that. Eventually, the spoken word element became uh, more sophisticated, I guess, and there was this idea of having mu uh, music with rhythm but without pitch at all. So in a Broadway score, for example, if there's rapping or if there's any kind of spoken word that's supposed to be rhythmic of any kind, instead of having uh, notes uh, with the rhythm in indicated, uh, you would have, uh, you, you know, the notes are written as circles, they're either filled in or they're empty. But instead of having that, they just be written with X's. So that's kind of when you're looking through the In the Heights score, a lot of it is just like X's. So there's no pitch indicated, but there is a rhythm indicated. So anyway, this style of music uh, really blew up in the 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s. Really remains probably the most dominant style of popular music to this day. Um, and if you, if you don't believe me, I'm just going to list off uh, some of the uh modern musicians of today and you and you'll you'll probably recognize every single name so these are pe people who are labeled as hip-hop artists artists are people like drake post malone Nicki minaj eminem cardi b jay-z kanye west people like this uh, all household names um are all hip-hop artists okay so let's try to listen to some hip-hop tracks from the early 2000s uh, when Lin-Manuel was uh, writing in the Heights so that we can get a good feel maybe for what uh, Miranda was maybe basing his music off of. So first, let's listen to a song called In the Club by 50 Cent, which was released in 2005, same year that In the Heights came to Broadway. Go, go, go. So you can kind of start to hear the style of a few of the songs from In the Heights in there. Uh, definitely really heavy emphasis on the electronic sounds and just this lack of melody. There's not much structure to it. It's just sort of the same thing over and over again. Um, so let's listen to one more example. This is uh, Eminem, also uh, released in... Uh, 2005. 
so there you have it. That is uh, hip hop music for you. I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of this style of music. Uh, but let me let me just make a couple of arguments for why maybe this style of music works for In the Heights. Um, so first of all, In the Heights is based in New York City in the early 2000s. Uh, so whether or not you like the sound of hip hop music, it was the dominant music style in that time period. So it makes sense for this show to have uh, hip hop music in it. And we talked, we talked about this a little bit with Newsies, uh, but the sound from the orchestra pit plays just as big of a role in setting the scene uh, of a show as the set design and the costumes do. Uh, so I think, it's, I think it's a good musical style to get us introduced to Washington Heights uh, in the early uh, 2000s. Uh, this, and the second reason why I think hip hop works for this show is that Rap is actually a really good way to tell a story. And Lin-Manuel Miranda wasn't the first person to realize that. Uh, in fact, Broadway has been featuring a sort of type of rapping long before it appeared in any of those 70s and 80s hip hop tracks. Uh, so I'm going to play a couple of examples of that. And the first one that I'll play is all the way back in uh, 1957 uh, from The Music Man. The merchandise, cash for the button hooks, cash for the cotton goods, cash for the hard goods, cash for the fancy goods, cash for the soft goods, cash for the noggins and the piggins and the frickins, cash for the hogshead cask and demijohn, cash for the crackers and the pickles and the fly paper. Look, what do you talk? 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 Where do you get it? What do you talk? You can talk, you can talk, you can bigger, you can talk, you can bigger, 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 you can talk, you can talk, you can talk, 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 talk. Bigger, bigger, bigger. You can talk all you want, but it's different than it was. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. But you gotta know the territory. And then Stephen Sondheim uh, uses uh, rap in his famous witch's rap in the uh, prologue of Into the Woods. Greens, greens, and nothing but greens. Parsley, peppers, cabbages, and celery, asparagus, and watercress, and vinegars, and lettuce. He said, all right. But it wasn't quite, because I caught him in the autumn in my garden one night. He was robbing me, raping me. That's what the uh, theater kids play when they want to feel cool. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this to say, hip-hop seems like kind of a weird choice for a musical, but in keeping true to the style of a musical theater show, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda makes it uh, work pretty well for In the Heights. Another reason too, and I've heard Lynn like say this in interviews before that hip hop and rap music, just its start in spoken word, um, is kind of a story of like coming from nothing or like the hardships, maybe trials of life, and then like I don't know. I, I feel like I see that in his stories, um, and I feel like rap and hip hop, it's history. Just hearing it and. I feel like it lends itself to that as well. I think I feel like that's another reason that I've heard Lynn kind of say why he feels like hip hop is so right for the stories he's telling. Another thing is I don't know anything about hip hop. This was very interesting. And just the, hearing the history also makes me appreciate the record scratch in uh, Para Siempre um, in the show so much more because it's just so interesting in that way that that's kind of like the record scratch is kind of maybe like the start of hip hop and it starts off kind of like old time music and then kind of transfers over to hip hop, which I feel like is a big part of the show.
I am snotty and you probably never heard my name Reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated Exacerbated by the fact that my syntax is highly complicated Cause I immigrated from the single greatest middle place in the Caribbean Dominican Republic I love Okay, well, we spent a long time talking about hip-hop Let's spend uh, a briefer amount of time looking at the next big musical genre featured in In the Heights and that would be Latin music. We touched a bit on this in uh, the last episode in West Side Story. Basically, the biggest takeaway is that Latin music is heavily percussive with emphasis on rhythm over melody, uh, similar to hip hop, uh, which is why I think they go together so well uh, and have often been uh, fused in popular culture. I had that written in my notes, Lynn, so I'm not stealing what you just told me uh, during our break <laughs> a second uh-huh. ago. Um, I was looking at the list of instruments uh, in the Broadway orchestra for In the Heights, and there were two percussion players to handle a total of 62 percussion instruments, which is insane. Um, I I don't know much of anything about uh, Latin music, but basically any Latin percussion instrument that you can think of probably right now off the top of your head was listed uh, in the orchestra. There's also a lot of emphasis on brass instruments. Uh, So the orchestra has multiple trumpets and trombones. You hear those a lot throughout the score. Um, And a little fun fact about uh, this music is that there are no strings. Uh, There there are no strings in the Broadway orchestra for In the Heights. You don't hear any Uh, violins, cellos, anything uh, like that in the soundtrack. Uh, But then what's interesting is um, Hamilton, on the other hand, has several string instruments, uh, but actually has no brass instruments, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, So, and Hamilton actually has a a slightly smaller sound with only 10 musicians, while in the Heights uh, used 13 while on Broadway. Latin music, of course, has several different st- different styles originating from different regions, each emphasizing different sounds and rhythmic styles. Um, uh, I'm lucky because since I don't know a ton about Latin music, the score for In the Heights is labeled so well. Um, I would, I guess, I would give credit to Alex Lackamore for this. But each Latin section is labeled with what style of Latin music is being played. So I'm gonna. I'm going to quickly fly through some of the common styles and play short excerpts from the score for these. Um, So first of all, I'm going to talk about salsa music, and this is by far the most common uh, style of music. I don't know if you can hear this cat meowing now. (laughs) Dang, these animals don't get away from me. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I guess for those listening, I moved uh, across uh, to a different room since the dogs were being so loud, but this room has cats in it, and (laughs) so I just can't get away from the animals. (laughs) Anyway, the most common style of music, of Latin music in this score is salsa, which is a Cuban and Puerto Rican style of music. I think we saw this in West Side Story, uh, I'm pretty sure. It uses uh, clavace in the percussive section. So here's just an example of that, and this is from uh, the opening number. Okay, 
Another common style is reggae, which actually has its root in Jamaican music. The structure for reggae is, uh, it was really confusing. And I was telling Lydia earlier, uh, a lot of these, it was really hard for me to find a specific description of what structure these Latin uh, types of music followed. Um, I think they're they're both they're mostly based on the rhythmic patterns that are portrayed, but it was hard for me to find a specific pattern. And if one was given, uh, then it was way over my head, really confusing. Uh, couldn't really understand it. So anyway, I'm I'm not going to go into detail on anything here, but here's just an example of reggae music uh, from the score. And the last one that I'll mention is uh, Merengue. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Merengue? That's right. Merengue which originated in the Dominican Republic. And this one's a little easier for me to understand, I think. it's basic, It basically just has this steady bass going on with emphasis on the first and third beats, and then there's a syncopated melody over that. So it's, it's as simple as that. Um, and here's an example of that from uh, It Won't Be Long Now. Okay, so there's your crash course on Latin American music as heard in In the Heights. And as we go through the soundtrack, I'm sure we'll go into these in more detail. So those are kind of the, the two biggest musical influences, I believe, in this score. And Lynn really just jumps from style to style throughout. It is pretty cool uh, to see how he jumps from the hip hop to the Latin American sound. And there are so many more to mention. There's some funk and disco and jazz in there as well that we'll see uh, when we go uh, through each song individually. Um, and then the other big musical style in this score that I mentioned, I think is just your classic musical theater uh, ballad. There's a lot of ballads in here in particular where the singer just gets to, you know, belt in the middle of the stage. There's a lot of solo songs in this score also. Um, and so uh, songs like Breathe, and Inutil and Enough uh, kind of are just sort of these big mashup of uh, uh, musical theater sounding songs inside of a score that's filled with stuff like hip hop and Latin American music. So that's a lot of information on the, uh, on the style of the show. And uh, I'm going to wait to talk about its structure some more, I think as we go through the soundtrack and I'll try to highlight some of the themes that are going on. Uh, there aren't a ton of them, but there, there, there are some cool ones in there. I owe you a bottle of cold champagne. No. Yeah, cold champagne. Damn, the bottle's all sweaty and everything. You went and got this. Cop the champagne. I don't know if we have coffee cups or plastic cups. I think Sonny has the cups. Tonight. 
So we've gone through some of the musical influences for In the Heights, and now we are going to go through the Broadway score. We're going to be looking at the original Broadway cast recording. Uh, the soundtrack has 23 tracks, pretty long uh, cast recording. There are 12 tracks in Act 1 and 11 tracks in Act 2, so it's pretty well balanced as far as uh, volume of music goes in each act. Um, and before we get into the opening number, which is just called In the Heights, uh, I, want, I wanted to say the show actually opens up with kind of a cool little overture of uh, all of the songs um, seemingly playing from Graffiti Pete's Boombox sort of cuts from track to track, sort of like a hip-hop track kind of might do. We saw that a little bit in some of the hip-hop stuff that we looked at, but it's kind of cool because it right away, it, it almost serves as an overture, but then also serves as showing you that this is going to be sort of a, a hip-hop style uh, musical. I thought this was just so interesting how he's doing this because like normally when you hear an overture, you know, it's like a medley of the songs that you're going to hear and they flow from one to the other very seamlessly. But instead, this is almost like kind of a radio channel surfing, um, which I thought was just like, I feel like this is kind of Lynn's thesis in his work, like laid out in this very short overture that he's using traditional musical ideas, um, but he's mixing them with hip hop. Um, so I feel like that's kind of how Lynn approaches his work. So it's cool then in the first like, couple minutes of the show you're you're you know what to expect i am snobby and you probably never heard my name reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated exacerbated by the fact that my syntax is highly complicated because i immigrated from the single middle place in the caribbean dominican republic so uh we have this big opening number and it is simply called in the heights um, and uh, in this big opening number, the main character of our show, his name is Usnavi, uh, speaks directly to the audience and introduces uh, all of the other characters. This is a super popular way to open up uh, a musical show, um, but every, every character sort of gets their own time to shine and we get introduced uh, to who they are and how they're going to contribute to the story. It shifts quickly in between hip-hop and different Latin styles. Uh, we're introduced in this song to many of the main themes that we're going to see throughout the show. Um, and each character sort of gets their own uh, sort of style, each of which is labeled in the score. So Usnavi is almost always accompanied by a hip-hop beat. He's almost always rapping. Um, and then there's Daniela and Carla, who are these women from uh, the salon that neighbors Usnavi's store. And they get a style called Son Cubano. Uh, so an another Latin music style originating in Cuba. And then we have Benny, who's accompanied by this steady quarter note beat. And the score describes it as R&B uh, slash funk swing. Um, so maybe a good musical indicator that uh, he's maybe a bit different from the rest of the people in Washington Heights because he doesn't have that Latin um, background, perhaps. Um, and then Vanessa gets her own section uh, with this Latin dance beat. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool to see all those uh, different styles represented there. I thought it was really interesting um, when I went to go see the movie. Um, I was sitting there and I heard like the opening kind of rhythm and we had just recorded the uh, West Side Story podcast and I was like, 
I sat back in my seat and it was like, it sounded so familiar. The intro kind of claves rhythm is identical to the beginning of America in West Side Story. Um, however, I heard Lynn uh, say that uh, people often think that he's referencing West Side Story um, in this moment of the show, um, but he says that he's not referencing Bernstein. Uh, Bernstein is referencing Latin music. Um, however, he kind of makes a note that Bernstein uses the claves kind of not in the way that they were originally intended. Uh, the Wiro kind of comes over it in a different rhythm. Um, whereas in kind of how it's traditionally used is that the claves are kind of like the heartbeat of the song. And so that rhythm is kind of carried throughout, unlike it is in, in West Side Story. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I want to talk about two uh, specific themes that are in this song. Um, the first one is just the salsa theme um, that... Uh, uh, that is in the background when the ensemble starts to sing the chorus of this song. Um, and so I'm going to play that uh, on the piano for you. And the, the reason I would say that this is the main theme is because it's, it's used uh, all throughout the show, sort of from beginning to end, often as transitional music. And so I feel like it's sort of the music that um, describes uh, the, uh, the neighborhood, the barrio. And then we also hear super briefly uh, what will become uh, Usnavi and Vanessa's uh, love theme. Um, this is when Vanessa and him are talking and she, she has the last line where she says, I'll see you later. So, and there's just these, uh, there's just these two uh, piano chords, just two of them. And that this sort of coupled piano chord sound is going to be uh, the music that we associate with Usnavi and Vanessa. And you're going to hear the theme a lot later in uh, their song Champagne. Um, and so I'll go into more uh, detail on it then, but let's just, let, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and play just those two chords real quick on the piano. Cute. <laughs> and it's super short, super simple, but it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really pretty. Uh, there are a couple of Easter eggs uh, that Lynn puts in there for you uh, in this song. Um, the first one is he talks about, at the very beginning of the song, he says, he's he's describing how to get uh, somewhere. I'm not sure exactly what it is now, but he says you have to take the A train or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And there's this kind of sort of like jazzy uh, sound underneath it. And uh, what's that? what that's coming from is, there's a song called Take the A-Train, uh, a really old song by an American jazz pianist named Duke Ellington. Um, so let me, let me just play. It's kind of cool because it's, it's really just the same melody that's played uh, in this opening number. So let me play Duke Ellington's Take the A-Train here. I thought it was really cool how you can hear the jazz underneath um, that line of the song. It kind of it was kind of like the radio surfing that we heard in the overture. It just kind of like switches over to jazz and then switches back over super quickly. It was super cool. He also uh, 
gives a reference to Kiss Me Kate uh, by Cole Porter. Uh, and there's a song in there called Too Darn Hot. And of course, you know, being hot is going to be a theme in In the Heights. Um, anything to add uh, for the rest of this song, Lydia? Yeah, I think just a couple of things lyrically. I think it's interesting um, that it starts with lights up um, on Washington Heights. So we we're talking about how it's just so catchy and fun to sing. But um, Lynn likes to use stage directions um, in his lyrics. You think about like, um, in Hamilton, inter me, he says in parentheses. Um, so I think it's it's an interesting way to start the show because normally in a script, the first words would be lights up on Washington Heights. Um, and he puts that right into the song and that's how the show starts. Um, so I thought that was super interesting. Um, another thing that uh, I heard kind of Lynn mention about this opening number um, is that he talks about Fiddler on the Roof being kind of a blueprint for this show. Um, one he went back to again and again, kind of like as the way to write musicals. Um, and so he talks about how in the beginning song of Fiddler on the Roof tradition, um, you're introduced to all these characters. And you said that's a, a, a common uh, musical theater trope, but you're introduced to Ginta, the matchmaker, and Rabbi Morka and his son and all these things. And so Lynn does that in the exact same way. There's Kevin Rosario and there's the salon ladies. And so they were looking at Fiddler on the Roof in kind of classic musical theater um, as a way to structure um, their own show. So I thought that was interesting. Thematically, I think this show is really interesting because there really aren't very many themes that are found um, all throughout the show. However, there are a lot of things that are found in this opening number that are that all come back in the finale. So uh, the whole um, part that Lynn has, or that Isnavi has about uh, I'm a street light. I don't know what the lyrics are. Anyway. That, com that comes back in the finale as well. Um, so, street light choking on the heat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so even though there aren't a ton of themes, maybe in like the middle of the score, it, it is cool to see how sort of as, as you would do in musical theater, it sort of comes full circle at the end. I thought that part that you were talking about the, yeah, I'm a street light choking on the heat. I feel like that, it kind of feels the same to me as in Hamilton, uh, when uh, Hamilton goes, I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory. I thought it's the kind of, exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's pulling back, putting a spotlight on his Navi, and you all of a sudden get, you know, his backstory and how he feels and all this stuff. And I, I just like, it feels like that moment to me. And in the same way that um, the idea of Hamilton struggling with the idea of death and leaving a legacy, um, you have this idea of uh, Uznavi being like a streetlight, um, which in the end we kind of understand to mean that he kind of illuminates stories and is able to tell Abuela's story and the story of the people of his neighborhood, um, which I think is very interesting. Like Lynn is very interested in telling stories and how your story is told after you're gone, what you leave behind. It's almost like the same things you see in Hamilton. He's he's working through here. So it, it's interesting to see these kind of come up again and again. I have a couple of questions about this song. First of all, they say that Nina has flown into New York City at 3 a.m., right? But 
her parents, she still hasn't seen her parents uh, that morning because she goes looking for them when she meets Benny later on in the show. So where has she been since 3 a.m.? Sam, she's working through a difficult time in her life. I feel like she just needed to prep for that moment. I don't know. That is kind of interesting. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, she then on, she She was on a fire escape somewhere. That seems <laughs> to be her thing. <laughs> okay, then also... Benny comes in, maybe there's supposed to be some sort of passage in time, but Benny comes in to get a cup of coffee for Mr. Rosario right after Mr. Rosario has just come into the store to get a lottery ticket. He gets his employee to get his coffee. It's too big for that. I don't know. That's true. (laughs) One more thing about the opening number that I just thought was so fun. I've been listening, I was listening to, um, the uh, book that uh, Lynn wrote about, Lynn and uh, Kiara, who's the book writer, um, who Kiara Hudes, um, who wrote the book for the show, they wrote an actual book uh, about the, the writing of In the Heights. Um, and I just thought it was really funny to hear kind of Uznavi's stories raised by um, Abuela, who's not really his Abuela. Um, but I thought there was a really funny quote in the book uh, where Lynn said, um, he's two for two for playing orphans on Broadway. And then he was like, Annie, I'm coming for you. All right, let's move on to the second track, which is a song called Breathe. And there's really only one character who we haven't been introduced to in the opening number, and that is Nina. Um, And she now gets uh, her own little I Want song. Um, so, uh, before this song, there is a short instrumental piece in the score that's called Nina's theme. It's a really pretty, uh, piece. I'm not really sure why it's called her theme because I don't think that it shows up anywhere else in the score. Uh, but let me go ahead and play Nina's theme for you on the piano. So throughout this whole song, uh, there's this, uh, the other characters, actually it starts off with the main characters all sing this Spanish chorus in the background. Um, and, and I, I would call that one Nina's theme because you're right, that, that tune comes back in everything I know. And it comes back uh, one other place in the score that I can't remember now. Um, but uh, interesting. Uh, it's a very uh, musical theatery song. There's a lot of uh, belting involved. I think it's really interesting that Nina gets most of the musical theatery types ballad songs in the score. Um, you don't really associate her with the Latin music very much, which I think is kind of interesting considering that she's been away at college. Well, I think just in hearing the their kind of process to getting the show to Broadway. It's interesting that Nina gets the I want song of the show. 
Um, and I think kind of the reason for that is that the Rosarios used to be the center of the show. Um, kind of Nina was the main character, it seems like, in kind of like all the process leading up to it. Um, but what kind of happened was that Lynn kept being put in the part of Usnavi kind of in the rehearsal process. And I think his kind of like charisma um, and how he wrote the character made the character so interesting that they kept bringing him back in. I, I, I felt like it was kind of a Yelena Belova in Black Widow moment where it was like, this is the main character, but this other one has so much charisma that you're just drawn to this character. Um, so I think in the original story and definitely in the Broadway play, Nina has more of a central story. Um, in Blackout, it's Benny and Nina fighting. Um, and they get kind of like the final climax love song after Champagne. Um, and so I think, I, I, I heard a lot of criticism that the book writing is a little bit hard to follow. Um, but I, I think Kiara kind of redeems herself in that she wrote the screenplay for the movie, which I think really straightens out a lot of the wrinkles that I, I felt in maybe a convoluted book for the show. Um, and it centers more on Uznavi's story. Um, but Nina gets the I want song of the show in Breathe. Yeah, my sense from watching the musical is that Usnavi is kind of the main guy character and Nina is the, sort of the main female character. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because normally if you had that in a musical, then they would end up together, but they right. kind of had their own separate love interest, which is kind of cool, kind of unique. Yeah, yeah that was cool. Another thing uh, I wanted to mention is just the kind of combination of the Spanish lyrics and the English lyrics, um, which we'll see kind of again and again. And just the way that uh, Lynn is rhyming these lyrics. Um, so we have kind of the chorus singing Estrella. And then right after that, Nina says, they are. And then we have another A and she says, I am. So there's, there's like these rhyming between the Spanish and the English. Um, and I think it's also just a good kind of theme for the show that um, you have these characters that were born in America, but their parents are from other places. And I feel like there is kind of a struggle with that identity through the show that, you know, they're part of um, their, their parents' kind of Latin American culture, and that's what they've grown up in, but they're also growing up in America where they're having to learn English. And Nina even kind of struggles with, you know, what if my parents had stayed in Puerto Rico? You know, who, who would I be if that was the case? And so I think the way Lynn is using um, Spanish and English lyrics kind of leads into that theme, and even in the way that he's combining um, Latin American musical styles with hip hop styles. Um, it's kind of how he's musically telling the story. The neighborhood waved and said, Nina, be brave and you're gonna be fine. And maybe it's me, but it all seems like lifetimes ago. So what do I say to these faces that I used to know? Hey, I'm home. The third track, uh develops Nina's character even further and introduces us to her relationship with Benny, who's played by uh, Chris Jackson, um, who's also George Washington in Hamilton. Uh, this song is called Benny's Dispatch. Um, it's a, a pretty short song, um, and it's split into sections described in the score as reggaeton and pop ballad and reggaeton is just a genre of music that just meant a combination of reggae uh the jamaican dance music and hip-hop and so uh it's perfect uh for this 
show. I don't have anything to add for this uh, song other than that. I, I really enjoy this song. I, I really like all of the songs that uh, Chris Jackson's character is, is in. I, he has a lot of very like groovy uh, songs that he sings and they're, they're a lot of fun to listen to. His voice is amazing. I also think that you can tell he's kind of in the process. Lynn knew he was writing for Chris Jackson and his voice because he honestly has a kind of similar sound to George Washington. I feel. Um, and then lyrically, one of my favorite parts is when Nina kind of interjects and she's almost kind of rhyming with herself and it's any sign, any way, any time. I, I love like the, the play between that and, and the use of the repetition of any. Um, I think that's really well done lyrically. that brings us to the fourth track which is a song called it won't be long now and this one is sung by the other uh main female role uh vanessa lid do you think you would call this an i want song i wasn't really sure about this yeah i i was wondering that as well i feel like it is um and i feel like that's part of it too because lynn talked about you know wanting every character to have first of all a job um, and second of all, a dream. And so um, it makes sense that more than one character would have an I Want song. There's a lot of contrast between Vanessa and Nina. This song is quite a bit more optimistic and upbeat than Nina's, whereas Nina's sort of dreading her future. Vanessa is really looking forward to it. So it's a much more upbeat song. Um, the accompaniment at first is composed of a pretty cool uh, piano riff that plays uh, throughout most of the song actually to keep it moving on so I just want to play the opening moment from this song the elevated train by my window doesn't phase me anymore the rattling screams don't disrupt my dreams I love the piano riff. It kind of reminds me of like Wizard and I. So it feels very musical theater to me in a way. And I, I love it. <laughs> There's this instrumental bit uh, after her big belt, after that first uh, verse, which is the merengue uh, rhythm that we listened to earlier. Um, and that sort of takes over from the simpler piano riff um, as we go on. After Vanessa, Vanessa agrees to go out with Usnavi, uh, he breaks into this rap segment uh, that's designated as Southern Hip Hop, um, which I think is basically just hip hop that developed in southern uh places like atlanta and louisiana i don't know uh if structurally they're any different really um one thing that i did want to point out is there are a lot of tricios uh in this song in the whole score really uh you might remember us talking about tricios in newsies and this is a uh this is a rhythmic pattern that's super common in latin music styles and really now in all of pop music Tercio is a Spanish word, um, and it's just a, a, a beat where you have a you'd have a, a dotted quarter note, then followed by 
uh, another uh, uh, dotted quarter note and then just a single quarter note. Um, so it's cool. It's a really cool rhythm. It just kind of keeps everything moving really quickly. I think I love that part of the song and I especially love, um, I remember watching the movie and just like loving the part where um, it kind of slows down a little bit and Uznavi goes, um, I'm running to make it home and homes where Vanessa's running away from. And then he repeats it and I'm like, oh yeah. Like it, I just love that part for some reason. Um, and I think it, it just speaks to, I think the main, if you had to think of like a main theme for the show, it would be home. Um, so here you have kind of two definitions from two different characters of home. Um, home is something that Uznavi is going towards and Vanessa sees home as something to run away from. Um, so I really like that lyric. I just, I'll point out the ending to this song uh, has the same piano chords as that Usnavi Vanessa love theme that I played earlier. So let's just listen to the very end of this song. Track five is a song called Inutil. It's another solo song. Uh, so already we're at, we're at five tracks in and we already have three solo songs by different people. Um, Inutil is a Spanish word that means useless. Uh, and this is a song sung by Mr. Rosario, who's Nina's uh, dad. And he sort of gives his backstory here. And this is the moment in the show uh, where Nina has just sort of told him that she's dropped out of uh, college basically because she can't keep up with her grades because she's working these jobs because her father can't afford to send her to school. Honestly, when I was watching the show, this was this moment in the show probably like got me more than like when Abuela died. Spoiler. Um, but but I, I don't know. It was just it was just like really sad to me. Not not this song in particular, but the um the moment right before it, where he's where she's just like, "What could you have done?" Like she he like says that, and and you like see like his expression like after that, and it's just yeah. like really got me. It's really sad. So and then he sings this song about being useless. I know this. I really like this song. I I think it has a great melody i really love it i i do feel like there's a lot of ballads <laughs> um i feel like structurally it's it's tough to hear so many ballads in a row but this song is really beautiful it is the the accompaniment for, the, for this song is mostly just these long uh whole note piano chords i think they're i like the song but i think there are some sort of cliche moments in it both lyrically and melodically um but uh, but I, th I think it it serves its purpose to give us a background to uh, Mr. Rosario. There is one moment in the song that uh, we see again. Um, Kevin Rosario goes, she's going to change the world someday. I think it's a similar melody as well to when Benny says that to her in the song. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of all these like building pressures of how everyone sees Nina and 
how kind of she feels she's let everyone down because this is what everyone saw for her. She was going to change the world and her dad thinks that and Benny thinks that and yeah. We have made it to track six. This is a song that also has a Spanish title. The title is No Me Diga. That just means uh, like you don't say uh, in uh, Spanish or kind of like a shut up, uh, sort of like a, after uh, hearing some some juicy gossip, perhaps. Um, but this is uh, the Salon song, and this is sung by Daniela and Carla, who are sort of these comedic side characters. And what's going to happen is they're going to start asking Nina all about school and stuff. She's going to tell them eventually that she has dropped out. Uh, this song also has a salsa backdrop. So we get more of the salsa music. Um, and like I said, I, can't, I still can't really exactly put into words what the structure for the salsa music is. And I, I, like I said, I can't really find a clear definition of it anywhere, but the more I listened to all these songs and saw them labeled as salsa, the more I could hear the similarities uh, between them. Even even though I can't put my finger on it, I can I can I'm starting to be able to tell what what are the salsa songs. And this song is very heavy in the salsa. I think it's it's a funny song. Definitely in need of like a comedic break um, in the show here. So I think it's it's really uh, effective in that. And um, another thing that I thought uh was was cool uh, you mentioned how there's not a ton of kind of musical themes carrying through the show but there is a ton of lyrical themes that are carried through um in the opening song we hear the salon ladies say no me diga and we'll hear that again and again in uh, 96,000 um we'll hear that again so that's kind of like they might not have a, a musical theme but they definitely have this lyrical theme of of this catchphrase that they have and other characters have that as well um we hear abuela saying paciencia y fe um, and she eventually has a song with that title. Um, so there are a lot of kind of lyrical themes that are carried through for each character. The seventh track is uh, a song that goes back to the hip hop sound. Um, this is sort of our, our first big uh, ensemble piece uh, since the opening number. Um, it's a song called 96,000. So in this song, everyone in Washington Heights is just uh, dreaming of what it would be like to win the lottery. Uh, this song has sort of a one day more setup to it, uh, like like one day more from Les Mis. Each character sort of sings their own melody uh, that follows the same chord progression. And then the song is gonna end with them all singing over top of each other. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, the the only thing I I dislike about it is all all of the melodies that they sing in the beginning are new melodies, completely new to us. And then when they all start singing over top of each other, I don't know if it's because we don't already haven't heard the melodies already. It starts to get a little chaotic to me. Um, so I don't know. This isn't uh, my favorite song in the score, um, but I think it I think it was definitely one of the sort of the top uh, performed show. I know this is the song that uh, they performed for their uh, Tony Awards performance. Um, I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of the 
electronic music and it, it starts to sound a little discombobulated to me. I don't know. Do you have, do you feel that? Yeah, I, I agree with that with the ending. It's hard to, to pick out um, each melody kind of at the end when they're all singing together. Um, but I do love the moment where uh, at the very end when they're all singing together and then there's this little whisper section and then they all kind of get big again. So I do, I do love that moment um, near the end. Uh, lyrically, I thought it was really interesting um, that the number is 96,000. Um, in the opening number, um, there's there's a line about going north of 96th Street. Um, and traditionally, uh, 96th Street is kind of, there's a huge kind of income wealth difference going north of 96th Street. Um, so Lynn mentioned that 96 has always kind of seemed like uh, wealth to him, the, uh, an, an indication of wealth. Um, so I don't think it's an accident that um, he mentions 96th Street and chooses the number kind of 96,000 um, in the show as well. Um, another thing lyrically, we hear check one, two, three again, which we heard in uh, Benny's Dispatch, um, which is kind of apparently it's a kind of hip hop trope, um, but Lynn's putting it kind of in context. Um, when Benny sings it in the dispatch, he's checking the microphone. Um, in this song, it's check my ticket, uh, which that part is so catchy. It's like, yo, ma, check my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing uh, that I think is interesting um, is just the way Uznavi is rapping. It's very um, rhythmic structured focus right until Vanessa comes in and starts talking to him. Um, and I feel like this happens throughout the show as well, where he, he kind of becomes a little more syncopated and uh, can't really have control of what he's saying the second Vanessa comes in. So I think that's an interesting way to kind of tell the story musically is he's very nervous around Vanessa. Uh, let's move on to the eighth track in the Broadway cast recording. And this is where Abuela Claudia uh, sort of has her time to shine. This is a song, uh, also has a Spanish title, uh, Paciencia y Fe. Uh, we hear a little bit about her backstory, how she immigrated from Cuba. And then we discover that she is the one who has won the 96,000 uh, lottery ticket. Uh, this song always seems like it's it's rushing. It's it's very quick in, in a good way, but it, it's uh, it's moving quickly. Um, and for for some reason, I had always thought that this song was a ballad. But then when I really listened to it, it's it's not a ballad. It's actually really a salsa beat that's going on, um, and it's super quick. Um, so it's it's kind of her big uh, big showstopper. Um, I, to, to be honest, it's sort of a forgettable song to me in the soundtrack. I know it's not supposed to be, it's supposed to be one of the, the big songs, but it's, it doesn't seem very catchy to me. I, it's, it was hard for me to remember. Uh, and, and to be fair, I've basically listened to all this soundtrack just in the past two weeks, but it's hard for me even now to look, to remember what the melody sounds like. Um, and it's, it's also, maybe that's also just the fact that it only shows up in this song. Um, so anyway, what are your thoughts, Lid? 
Yeah, I definitely think, I think thematically um, it has a huge impact. Um, I think um, that part of it is, is very striking. Um, melodically, yeah, I kind of wish there were musical themes that carried through and we heard kind of the melody again so that it would kind of stick in our heads. Um, one thing that um, I thought was, was really cool is that this, is, this song is more of a, a mambo. Um, and there are kind of three different generations uh, within the show. So we have Abuela, we have uh, Nina's parents, and then we have kind of the kids, Uznavi, Nina, uh, Benny, and Vanessa. Um, and all three generations kind of have a different uh, musical style um, sort of as well. So um, Abuela has kind of this mambo feel. Um, Nina's parents, we get a little bit of the salsa. And then um, Uznavi, we have um, a lot of the, the hip hop um, and the pop music. Um, so I thought that was interesting how he's kind of separating the generations with music that might have been popular in their time period. Um, another way uh, that's cool that um, in the story that's kind of separating the generations um, is that the story or the generations kind of follow waves of, of immigration. Um, so the majority of in the Heights or Washington Heights now is uh, Dominican. Um, but in the 50s and 60s, um, there were a lot of immigrants from Puerto Rico. So uh, Nina's parents are from Puerto Rico. And then um, past that, Abuela, we have a lot of Cuban immigration. Um, so there's kind of a way in the story that he's separating these three generations, but also musically he's doing that as well. What do you do when your dreams come true? I've spent my life inheriting dreams from you. What do I do with this winning ticket? So that brings us to uh, number nine on the original Broadway cast recording, which is a song called Win Your Home. I'm a big fan of this song. Uh, it's it's just like a really fun, upbeat song that's sung between Benny and Nina. Um, and it's it's really our first look at a song that is largely free of any Latin influence, which makes sense for a song that's sung by uh, Nina, who's been away at college, and for Benny, who doesn't quite seem to fit in with the rest of Washington Heights as far as his uh, Latin origins goes. Uh, so the song begins with this uh, sort of really slow section with Nina singing, and it's backed by these chords played on an electronic keyboard uh, before breaking into this really cool beat that's described uh, in the score as funk pop. Um, and it's just like a really, it's got like a, a cool groove to it. I'm just going to go in and play uh, that part of the song for you. Come with me. We begin July with the stop in my corner fire hydrant. So we do get a bit of the uh, hip hop sound as Benny reminisces about his time uh, rapping with uh, Usnavi. And this is where we get this, uh, the no pare sigue sigue part of the song, which is going to pop up um, elsewhere in the score as well. Uh, and then we finally actually do hear some Latin music as Nina starts to sing about her uh, experience dropping out of college. 
Uh, lyrically, um, I think I've heard Lynn say that he relates most to Nina's character. Um, and the most autobiographical line in the show was when Nina says she wonders what would happen if her parents had stayed in uh, Puerto Rico. Um, and another fun fact is Lynn wrote this song right after his first date with his future wife, Vanessa, um, and about all the places they had gone to in Washington Heights on their date. Aww. Which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I watched, I only watched the first half of uh, the movie. Um, and there were some things that were kind of, I was kind of disappointed with in the movie. There were some things I really liked about the movie also. One of the, I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Inutil, um, but one of the, one of the things that bugged me about the movie was they made it so that it, there was like really no financial problem with Nina going to school, it seemed. And so uh, I feel like we lost a lot of uh, Mr. Rosario's character development there. Um, but then yeah. a, another, just something musically, uh, was I one of my favorite parts of this song, When You're Home, is the ending. It has like this really big ending where Benny and Nina harmonize. And uh, let, me, let me play the, um, the movie version of When You're Home and just listen to the ending of this. I was just so disappointed because I, I had just been listening to the In the Heights soundtrack and I was like, I was like anticipating the big finish. And then all of a, all of a sudden, Nina just goes, I'm home. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and listen to the, uh, the better ending of this song uh, from uh, the uh, Broadway soundtrack. That brings us to the 10th track, which is a song called uh, Piragua, which is just sung by this character known uh, just as the Piragua guy. Um, and this guy has an incredible voice. Honestly, probably one of my favorite voices in the soundtrack. I don't know who this actor is, but he's he is incredible. It sounds yeah. so good. I was gonna say if you've only heard the movie soundtrack version of Paraguay Guy, which is sung by Lynn, um, who I've always <laughs> said he is he's so such so, such so, so genius, but a singing voice. Listen to the Broadway cast recording with this other guy. I love I was thinking that too. I love his voice. Yeah, but just, just yeah, super simple song, really quick, really fun. Song is backed the whole way through with a salsa pattern that's very similar to the accompaniment we heard from the chorus in the opening number. And the song just uh, starts to fade out toward the end. So I like to imagine that the Paraguay guy is just sort of off stage somewhere continuing his song uh, as, the, as the show goes on. <laughs> I love the rivalry with Mr. Softy. There's a reprise that comes back up and it's just so funny. And in the movie... Mr. Softy is actually in the movie <laughs> and he's played by Christopher Jackson. <laughs> Always there. 
let's move on to the uh, 11th track. Act one is starting uh, to come to a close and we've made it to a song called The Club. In this song, Usnavi and Vanessa go on their date uh, to a club, um, and it doesn't go as exactly as planned. They both end up dancing with different people, and then Benny is there, and he's super mean to Nina since her dad sold his company away. Benny ends up punching someone. Basically, this is a big uh, dance number. We get a lot of uh, diegetic dancing, I think, as we called it in our last episode. Um... So uh, it's a lot of instrumental music, a lot of brass. We get a lot of different Latin styles, uh, a lot of salsa. Um, We get uh, something called rumba that uh, is played when the fight breaks out between uh, Benny and this guy dancing with Nina. And at the very end, the, the big blackout happens and we go right into track So the blackout is the big act two finisher um, and everyone's just kind of running around trying to find where everyone is um, and everyone is singing a different melody over top of each other, makes it sound very chaotic. Um, And this is another moment in the show. I'm interested in 96,000, but this is another moment in the show that I just wish kind of that Lynn had used some consistent themes here in this show because each melody that's sung in Blackout is completely new uh, from what we've heard before. Um, it would have been cool to have Act One wrapped up with some familiar themes. Um, there's a lot of similarities here in this song uh, with Nonstop, which is the Act One closer for Hamilton. Um, and I'll go ahead and, and play actually the end to nonstop. Alexander. Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Helpless. They are asking me to leave. Look around. Isn't this enough? He will never be satisfied. He will never be satisfied. Satisfied. Anyway, if you know the music to Hamilton, you know that every single melody that's being sung by these characters is a song that you very closely associate with them and that they've sung before. Mm-hmm. But in but in Blackout here, it's a similar uh, structure where we have uh, all of these all these people singing over each other and it sounds really epic and then they're all going to come together at the very end. But it it's, it kind of falls flat for me because. There's nothing I, I associate with any of the melodies that are being sung. Yeah, I feel like you can kind of see how Lynn's kind of refined his um, structural writing in Hamilton because it's very common in musical theater to have that kind of song where everybody's singing over each other. But 
if it's a melody that you've never heard before, it does, like you said, just come off as a little bit chaotic. I do really like uh, Vanessa's part in it. Um, that part always kind of stands out to me, the, the part where she's saying panic and manic. And I, li I like that melody. Um, I just wish it came back somewhere else so that it was easier for me to follow um, when they're all singing on top of one another. One thing that I think is uh, interesting about this is it has a, a, it has a couple of cool effects, um, set design and lighting wise. Um, when the blackout happens, just the whole theater kind of goes dark, um, which is a really cool effect. I feel like as an audience member watching from my computer, it, it, it kind of adds to your confusion. And I honestly don't, the set and the lighting design for In the Heights is honestly not my favorite. The set is very static. Honestly, there's not a lot of movement. It's kind of the same set throughout. Um, and which I, I feel like is kind of a joke because so is Hamilton's set. Um, and David Corrin's, the set designer of Hamilton, is like the only one out of them that didn't win a Tony Award, which I know Sam and I have kind of joked about before. Um, so it's interesting that he kind of uses these, these static sets um, that don't have a lot of movement. Uh, but I think this song does have a lot of cool effects. It was the coolest moment for me in, in the set and lighting design. Yeah, I, th I think the sets work well for the choreographer, Andy Blankenbuehler, who won a Tony for In the Heights and also right. for Hamilton, because when you don't have a set moving a lot, your characters are the people who have to be doing a lot of the movement for you. So I think I think there are sets that, uh, that make choreography uh, uh, very creative. So. The characters become the set in a way, yeah. That's true. So I do really like the ending of Blackout where all the characters uh, start to come together and they sing about those fireworks. Um, and it, it's kind of a cool melody. And there's actually a like pre-recorded firework sound that uh, act uh, uh, one ends on. And let's go ahead and uh, give that a listen. The fireworks, the fireworks, the fireworks. So that's it for act one. Uh, I'll be honest, I know very little about act two. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't really hear any of these songs until a couple of weeks ago. So I'm guessing we'll probably fly through a lot of the second act. Um, but we'll start off with uh, a song called Sunrise, which is another song that's sung by Benny and Nina uh, the morning after uh, the big blackout night kind of an interesting way to start act two you know normally in uh, musical theater you've got a big act two opener that's a dance heavy number and instead uh, we're given this little love ballad uh, where uh, Benny and Nina basically profess their love for each other Benny does it in English and Nina does it in Spanish um, and uh, one thing that's actually that I find interesting is each of the main characters returns to sing a line of sunrise. Um, and, and Lynn seems to do this a lot where the, the main characters uh, each sing a single phrase within someone else's song. So even when 
someone else is singing. A lot of times the other main characters are actually involved uh, in what's going on. Uh, and then uh, we also hear the chorus from Breathe, uh, that Spanish chorus uh, returns briefly. So let's just give that a listen. It's an, it's an interesting melody. Uh, there are several uh, chromatic notes in this song, uh, which are just notes that aren't uh, notes that are in the original scale uh, for the key in which the song is written. So on that last, uh, the, the last note that Rise is sung on is sort of bringing the song into a different key, but then it is going to end up staying in the original key. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of an interesting song. Is What are your thoughts on this one, Lud? Yeah, and that is interesting. It's not my favorite melody, I guess, but now that you say that, I think maybe it's supposed to kind of like not sound completely perfect in the way that it's kind of changing keys a little bit um, in that their love seems kind of uncertain at this point. They're not sure how Nina's father will react to their relationship. Um, and so there's a little bit of, of uncertainty, so it's not supposed to sound kind of perfect melodically. Um, so maybe that's kind of kind of part of the reason for that. Um, lyrically in this song, we're kind of starting to see um, some, some themes with light within the show. Um, a couple of Nina's songs have to do with the sun. Um, this song is named Sunrise. And then um, the, the last song that Benny and Nina sing is called When the Sun Goes Down. Um, so there's a lot of references to at least um, Benny and Nina's story um, with the sun. Um, and more on that when we get to When the Sun Goes Down. Um, but there's also more light metaphors. We already talked about um, Usnavi being kind of referred to as a street light. Um, first, he's choking on the heat. And then in the last song, he'll be chilling in the heat. Um, and then another one um, that's maybe a little more subtle is uh, Abuela uh, is kind of talked about um, with stars a lot. Um, so she talks about being able to see the stars in Cuba but not in New York because of the streetlights. Um, she mentioned stars again in Blackout. Um, and so there's kind of these reoccurring themes of light, which I think is interesting, especially when act one kind of ends with a blackout and all the light is gone. Um, so these are just some, some interesting themes that, that we see kind of pop up throughout that each one of these kind of main characters um, has a light metaphor. And speaking of Abuela Claudia, uh, we hear her in the next track, which is called Hundreds of Stories. This is sort of just a song that kind of serves to move the plot along. Uh, she and Usnavi discuss uh, what she'll do with her lottery winnings, um, and they make a plan to return to the Dominican Republic uh, with that money. It's another salsa-based song. We've seen uh, a lot of those. One thing um, that is, again, kind of like juxtaposing the different generations, um, it's a salsa theme, but Uznavi raps over it, um, which kind of is, again, kind of something that shows the, the generational gap um, 
between the two of them. No, 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 you don't. When you have a problem, you come home. You don't go off and make matters worse on your own. One day you're then we get another solo song by someone who we haven't really heard much from throughout uh, the musical so far. And this is a song called Enough. This is the 15th track that we're on now. And this is uh, it's sung by uh, Camilo Rosaria, which is uh, who is Nina's mother. And uh, it's sort of a song as she confronts her husband for selling the taxi company and reprimands her daughter for being away all night uh, during the blackout. Uh, she Her character is pretty underdeveloped. I'm pretty sure, did was she even there in the movie? No, she's her character is cut. She's not in the movie. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Honestly, probably a pretty good choice, I thought, because yeah. uh, she kind of comes out of nowhere and sings this solo song and I it, it sounded like Lynn was pretty insistent on giving every main character um sort of their own sort of spot to shine but this one seems a little forced to me I think it's the, the one thing that I think is kind of compelling about this song um is that we talked about there being a theme of home what is home? Uh, what does home mean? Um, so that's kind of the theme throughout. And so in this song, I feel like we get another character's definition of home. Um, so Camilla um, Rosario's idea of home is home is a place that you come back to um, even when there's problems and you, you come back to home to, to solve those problems. Um, so that kind of gives another, it's, a, it's another kind of take on the theme for the show. Well, we're flying through here. Let's head to the 16th track, uh, which is called Carnival del Barrio. Uh, this is Act Two's big dance number. This is a longer song. I think it's like seven minutes. Um, and it's led by Daniela and Carla. Uh, and it's broken into multiple choruses uh, with dancing, uh, really just chanting that line, Carnival del Barrio. Uh, while in between all of these courses, the plot is sort of advanced. Uh, so this is after the blackout. Everyone is trying to get through the power outage and the heat. Uh, Usnavi reveals that Abuela has won the lottery and that he's going to uh, the Dominican Republic. And that makes Vanessa very upset. So there's a lot going on uh, during this song, but it's also a big uh, dance number as well. I feel like this would have been a great act two opener. And I wonder why, again, I feel like there are just some problems structurally, um, maybe with, with how the book works, but I feel like this would have been a great um, act two opener, more, more conventional act two opener. One thing that I forgot to mention um, that, that was in the blackout uh, song is uh, the powerless theme. I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but um there's this, there's kind of a cool melody where they sing, uh, we are powerless, which obviously the lyric has a double meaning with the power outage and also this feeling of maybe being stuck in Washington Heights. Uh, so for, it first popped up in uh, Blackout. I'll, I'll go ahead and play actually um, that uh, powerless theme from Blackout. Oh, 
and then it's gonna show up again uh, in this song. This time it's gonna be sung by Sunny and Vanessa, who are kind of the two people most upset in this song uh, by learning that Usnavi is going to be going to the Dominican Republic. So let's give that a listen as well. And then never turn the lights back on Cause we are powerless We are powerless And y'all keep dancing and singing and celebrating And it's getting late in this place disintegrating And we are powerless We are powerless Alright, we're powerless to light up a candle There's nothing going on here that we can't handle um, Melodically, my favorite part in this song is the Esa Bonita Bandera um, when it gets to that part and they're kind of all singing it together. I love the melody of that part um, and the meaning of it in English is is really beautiful too. Um, it's basically talking about um, waving flags and how the flag contains your whole soul. Um, so I think it's, it's a really beautiful lyric uh, accompanied by a, a beautiful melody. So unfortunately uh, this happy uh sort of upbeat song is followed by a very short song, uh, track 17, that's called Atencion, um, where uh, we learn that Abuela Claudia has died. The audience learns that in a pretty unique way. It's announced over the dispatch by uh, Mr. Rosario. Um, and it's, it's just a really short, I think it's under a minute long, um, and we're just given the announcement that Abuela Claudia has passed away. That's another reason I feel like Carnival del Barrio maybe would have been better earlier. It, it, it comes as a shock kind of right after a very happy, joyful song. And then you kind of like are brought right back down um, to Abuela's death. So then the next uh, two songs are really just um, uh, processing uh, the, the grief that's caused by this event. Um, so the, the show kind of drops in energy because Abuela Claudia has died and everyone's just sort of going through that. Um, so the 18th track is called Alabanza. Um, it starts off with Usnavi just doing a little spoken word segment, kind of like the old, uh, super old hip hop style. Um, so there's very little rhyming, just a very simple guitar melody in the background, no drumming or electronic sounds or anything. Um, and then Nina begins the chorus of Alabanza and is slowly joined by each of the main characters providing harmony. And we hear actually Abuela Claudia's line of paciencia y fe, this is a very simple song, both rhythmically and lyrically, which uh, which seems to be the most common way to write these grief processing songs. Um, just I, it's like it, it's funny when uh, the, the best way it seems to express grief in music is just through simplicity. Um, no, nothing fancy, just uh, very simple. But it's a it's a it's a sweet moving song. I thought um, it was interesting. Um, I heard mentioned kind of in the beginning that um, Usnavi said she was found in, in the spoken word part. Usnavi said she was found and pronounced, then kind of skips over. Um, but there's a, another line that ends in bed and said, um, 
So it's kind of implied that um, she's pronounced dead, but Uznavi can't really get himself to say it, but the, the rhyme is kind of implying that there. Um, I think this is a beautiful song. I really love how um, it, the first kind of line of Alabansa um, goes kind of down in melody, but then when you get to the second part, I love that part because um, you're not really expecting it after you've heard it um, the first time, but then the second time it takes the melody kind of a step up and I think it's really beautiful, especially when everyone's singing it together um, in harmony. We get our second sort of grief processing song in the 19th track. Uh, this is a song called Everything I Know. Um, and uh, Nina sings this. Um, it's I, I really think this is probably the most purely musical theater sounding song in the soundtrack. There's just like a lot of belting in it. And um, it, it has this. Uh, this sense of it'll get really big and then it'll draw back and then it'll get really big again. And there's this very simple uh, piano accompaniment that's being played for it. So we get a, we get a kind of classic musical theater song here. I think this is another reason that it, it kind of shows to me how in the stage play, Nina is really the central character because she's the one who has a solo song about processing Abuela's grief, even though Uznavi is the one who was raised by her. Um, and it's a song that kind of makes her realize how much um, of an impact Abuela had on her education and how she really wants to continue it and makes the decision to kind of go back to her father, um, make up with her mom and dad, continue her education, accept her parents' help. Um, and yeah, I really like it because it's musical theater. Yeah, I, I that's, a, that's a soft spot for me. So I, I really, I really love the melody um, of this song. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a good, uh, just simple piano melody that's being played underneath the song. I'm just, let me play the, um, the uh, piano riff that's played for this song. Again, just simplicity seems uh, to be the key here. It, it almost sounds to me like kind of musical theater ballads of the future are kind of like foreshadowing what's coming in musical theater. This really like reminded me of songs in Next to Normal and even maybe a little bit Pasig and Paul. Just the, the piano emphasis um, and the simplicity of it, um, it, it feels to me like it's kind of foreshadowing musical theater ballads to come um, that are kind of more centered on pop and, and that sort of thing. All right, we get a little break from the, the grief processing here in the 20th track. We just get a little reprise of uh, Piragua. So our favorite uh, Piragua guy comes back out onto the stage 
gets us feeling a little upbeat again after we've processed the death of Abuela Claudia. I will say, I think the show does a good job of giving the audience like a good amount of time to process her death yeah. and then getting the story kind of up and going again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll say that uh, for the show. Um, just a little, just a little short reprise, basically identical to uh, the original uh, song. So I got you a present. I went downtown to get it. Doing anything tonight? Cleaning. Done for the day. Now we've made it to uh, a song that uh, randomly. Today, I've listened to the song so many times. For some, re- for some reason, I got like really into listening to the song today. So I've probably listened to it like 15 times today. I don't know why. Uh, this is, is, yeah, we're on champagne right now. Yeah. 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 So this is the uh, 21st track. This is called Champagne. Uh, so basically what's happening here is Usnavi is preparing to leave for the Dominican Republic. Uh, so I, I said, I really like this song. It's super simple. It has a couple of the themes that we've already heard. First of all, most of the song is backed by that uh, Usnavi Vanessa love theme um, that I uh, already played for you on the piano. And then there's also that it won't be long now piano riff is back. Uh, but it's played with a slightly different rhythm. So let's just take a listen to um, what this piano riff sounded like in the original uh, It Won't Be Long Now song. And then you're going to hear in Champagne now, it's going to lose a lot of that rhythmic sound, but it's going to have the same melody, but it's just going to be in half notes. I thought that was was really cool. The other really cool thing I like about this song is remember when I said that um, there are no strings in the in the Heights Orchestra. This is in this song for the first time I hear strings. Okay. <laughs> Which is really, I don't know if either they're, re- they're pre-recorded strings that are probably being played by a keyboard, or it's possible that they brought in extra instruments for the cast recording, yeah. which they often do uh, for these. Um, but it, it, I can't imagine that they did that because it's such a short moment that the strings come in. But I, I love it when these strings come in. Let me just play the portion of this song uh, and you'll you'll hear these violins. Yeah, isn't that so oh, good? It's super. It's super quick, but it sounds so good. I love I, that. I love this song. I think it's probably my favorite on the the cast album, at least right now. Um, and I think it shows kind of the importance of bringing back themes. Um, and kind of what that does to you as a listener, that you're you're associating things you hear with things you've heard in the past and kind of like how big an impact that has. So we hear, I owe you a bottle of cold champagne, which we heard in the beginning, and it's such a great melody. Um, lyrically, I 
think this song is just like so clever. I love the writing, how they're saying everything but what they actually mean. And I think it, it kind of reminds me of kind of old musical theater songs, maybe like If I Loved You from Carousel or even um, Do You Love Me from Fiddler on the Roof. Um, where they're kind of like skirting around the issue and Vanessa kind of gives every single excuse for being mad for him for leaving except for the the real reason she's mad is that she has feelings for him so then when you get to the part um in like do you love me from Fiddler on the Roof where he goes so you love me and she goes I suppose I do and it's just so much more rewarding when you get to that when they've just been skirting around the issue and especially when they like latch onto something in their environment, like they keep coming back to champagne. And I love that it's kind of like the same melody for champagne every time. They keep coming back to it, but actually they're trying to say that they love each other and it's just, oh, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. One Also, one of my favorite parts about this song is just, she sings this, this last line. It's like, I'm just too late. And I, I just really love the way uh, it, the late goes up uh, and sort of sort of leaves the song hanging. Let's just listen yeah. to the very end of uh, Champagne. Vanessa, I don't know why you're mad at me. I wish I was mad. Just too late. And then in track 22, we get Nina and Benny's final love song, and it's called, as Lydia already mentioned, uh, When the Sun Goes Down. Um, this song is a pop ballad. Um, we hear a deep bass line, and then uh, this, we actually hear some like finger snapping percussion. Um, it has a very uh, early 2000s pop sound with the, with the electronic keyboard. Um, it just, it reminds me a lot of a, of a Wicked song. Um, that's sort of the vibe that I, that I get from it. So question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is a breakup song? Or do you think they're saying that they'll continue with their relationship? Oh, no, I definitely don't. I definitely, I'd never even crossed my mind that it was a breakup song. So apparently, Lynn thought they would break up after this. The oh. Kiara, the writer of the show, thought they would stay together after this. Um, so <laughs> I feel like they kind of leave it ambiguous, especially in the movie, because in the final scene, Benny and Nina are nowhere to be seen. So they're kind of leaving it up to the viewer. Um, which I was disappointed about in the movie because I love those two together. Um, and I wanted to know what happened to them, but I think it's kind of part of leaving it ambiguous. But I do think it's interesting that Lynn's idea was that they they break up after this moment when they, they part ways. And their first kind of love song is named Sunrise. And this song is called When the Sun Goes Down. So I feel like there's some kind of maybe indication there. I like to believe that they stay together. But <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> that makes me kind of sad. I didn't never even cross my mind. <laughs> um, we are starting to see some recurring themes coming back here at the very last couple songs. Actually, about half of this song is the same melody as When You're Home, which was Benny and Nina's big song in Act One. Um, 
So I'll go ahead and play that just so we can remember what that sounds like. When you're gone, you know that I'll be waiting when you're gone. Lord, you're here with me right now. Heart, if we should drift apart, let me take this moment just to say. And that brings us to the finale, track number 23, The Big Finish. Usnavi is about to leave for his flight, uh, but he pulls a Jack Kelly at the last minute and realizes that his home is in Washington Heights um, and decides to stay. Um, he raps while the main characters and then the ensemble sing this simple line of We're Home. Um, we also hear these short reprises of Piragua and it won't be long now. So all the characters sort of start coming in and singing their own themes. Uh, then finally, you know, just saying we're home over and over again, just slowly builds and builds and builds and Lynn's rapping the whole way through and gets super into it. I was watching a video of the like uh, cast recording like recording session today and like even even in the recording session Lynn's like getting so into the rapping during the uh, finale so anyway and then finally Usnami finishes his rap and uh, uh, the chorus ends on this nice nice chord uh, so good good finish to the to the musical I think I, I love the rap part. I think it's so well written. Um, a couple references uh, in the rap. I, I went to see the movie with a couple of friends and one of them who had seen It's a Wonderful Life. I've only seen it like one time, but was like, did you guys catch the reference? Apparently he says, Merry Christmas, you old building and loan, um, which is a uh, quote from It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and Lynn had a quote where he, he talked about kind of the similarities between this story and It's a Wonderful Life. And he said, how do you earn an ending where you see a guy who is so happy to get where he was the whole time? So it's so similar to It's a Wonderful Life where um, the guy, I forget his name, sorry, he's running through the town. And he says he's saying Merry Christmas to everything in his town where he's always been, but he's seizing it a different light now. And that's exactly what Uznavi is doing. He's decided to stay in Washington Heights, but his perspective on it has changed. Um, so he's seasoned in a different light. And it's kind of cool to think about the fact that you kind of start where you began. He was going to leave, but now he's not. But I think it does earn that ending where he, you know, is so happy to be where he was this whole time. He just sees it in a different way. It's so funny how so many, the themes of so many shows are both dreaming big and pursuing your dreams and your goals and then um also uh contentment being being like realizing that where you are right now is is the place where you're supposed to be and yeah. uh finding happiness and joy in that so yeah, yeah it's kind of cool that is interesting um lyrically i just i i love the way the rap is written and i actually was gonna play um 
this. I feel like when whoa, this- whoa, 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 you're playing something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just thought I would, you know, take over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I thought Lynn is so quotable. So I feel like every interview that I watched, I was like, oh, like he's so eloquent. <laughs> he's such a good writer. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting the way he talked about rap and musical theater and using them together and and the way rap and rhyming um, kind of lends itself to the way that musical theater is also into creative rhyming. Um, so I'll just play a little bit of this. I think that musical theater pl places a very pure emphasis on pure rhyme, um, not rhyming moon with doom. That's not a real rhyme, but moon with June um, and that, that real rhyme. Whereas I think hip hop, the reward for the listener is often the unexpected rhyme. It's um, it's Biggie rhyming awning with good morning because of the way he says it. Um, it's um, Jay-Z saying, don't let me put Al Sharpton in it because I'm dog-skinned. <laughs> you know, it's, it's playing with words. It's sometimes casting off their meaning or putting a triple entendre in the meaning and, and really fitting them to fulfill your purpose. And, and the unexpected turn of phrase winning over a pure rhyme winning. Um, and so, um, you know, with Heights, every lyric was me threading that needle so that uh, someone who came in who could care less about musicals, you know, saw this as authentic hip hop music because we're, we're doing this here with the language and we're doing this here. But a musical theater enthusiast can come in and say, okay, there's not pure rhyme here, but he's doing 50 other things craft-wise you know, through Sunday to, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. Um, but I think it's so interesting that he's saying, you know, in musical theater, people that watch musical theater really care about pure rhyming and they like, they like the craft of it. Um, and so he's saying here that in this rap does the same thing in different ways. Um, there's slant rhymes, there's more rhymes than just the end of a line. Um, so I think it's interesting just to see his take on kind of fitting rap music to musical theater. Off the Hudson, and just when you think you're sick of living here, the memory floods in. The morning light off the fire escapes. The nights in Bennett Park blasting big pun tapes. Summer, miss this place to tell you the truth. Kevin dispensing wisdom from his dispatch booth. Then at dawn, Vanessa at the salon. We gotta move on. And well, that's a good way to wrap it up, Lid. Uh, thanks for doing uh, <laughs> wrap it up. Uh -huh. <laughs> thanks for uh, participating in this uh, episode of Broadway Overanalyzed. Uh, but I have a couple questions for you, of course, before we end. Uh, first of all, favorite song and worst song from In the Heights. Uh, worst song, I'll start with that. Uh, probably enough um by Camilla Rosario I I I like what she says in the song I agree with all her arguments wholeheartedly uh, but I think just the melody and the fact that I don't feel really connected to her character um is probably why I don't I kind of skip over that track um my favorite song is probably Champagne as I said before I think it's so clever I really like it I also like It Won't Be Long Now um because I'm a sucker for a, a musical theater ballad what about you uh, my least favorite song might possibly be 96,000. 
I hate to I hate to say that because I know it's like one of the sort of biggest numbers in this in the show. For some reason, that one just grates on my ears. <laughs> it, it just like I don't know. It doesn't sound good to me. I don't like to listen to it. <laughs> Sorry, Lynn. Um, and then, but but my favorite song, but it's it's not the hip hop sound because honestly, my favorite song is probably the opening number. I, I, I love listening to that one. I've been trying to play that one on the piano a lot recently. I'm uh, hopefully going to be uploading a YouTube video to my channel soon where I'm going to uh, play through that song. Um, so I, I really like that one. I also, really, I mean, I like, I love champagne and I like it won't be long now as well. All right. And uh, what is your ranking for In the Heights? I appreciate this show for a lot of reasons. I think it's so groundbreaking. It's completely original. Um, but I, I do think it, it feels a tad unfinished to me. Um, so I'd probably give it a 6, 6.5. Um, what about you? I was going to give it the same ranking, 6.5. Um, yeah, I think, I think it struggles with structure. Um, it's also, I, it's also just not my favorite style of music ever. Um, so just personally, it's not my favorite. Although there are some songs that I've, I've been listening to pretty much nonstop, like the past couple of weeks. No, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's because I, uh, because I've had to just to learn for the, but like some of these are like, they're like bops, you know, there, there are songs I love by themselves. I feel like cohesively as a whole musical working together is where kind of it loses some points for me. But there are songs on it that I love today. Yeah, I'm a street light chilling in the heat. I illuminate the stories of the people in the street. Some have happy endings, some are bittersweet. But I love them all and that's what makes my life complete. And it's not me who keeps our legacies. Who's gonna keep the coffees, leave the secret recipes. guys so much for listening um we appreciate your viewership um if there were anything if there was anything you disagree with i feel like we had a couple hot takes so um if there are a couple things you you know disagree with or want to shout out just uh send us an email um follow us on instagram um let us know if you have any suggestions um we had a great time researching it as always and uh we'll be back hopefully soon with another episode um so thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you later Music in the air, take the train to